Hello. Before we dive into Road to the Oscars, I couldn't possibly have made this episode without mentioning the nation of Ukraine. Both Craig and I just want to use this platform to extend our love, thoughts, prayers and well wishes to the people of Ukraine. We understand that words don't do much, but we couldn't have put this episode out without using our freedom to speak openly to spread a message of peace and hope to a nation under a brutal and unjust attack. We believe in truth, not propaganda. We hope for a swift resolution and a minimal loss of life. And to the people of Ukraine, we simply say this. The world, at least the same part, is with you. Is it worth it? The Film Review Podcast presents Road to the Oscars. Join me, David Long, on this journey as we talk all things Oscars before the big event, the 94th Academy Awards, on Sunday the 27th of March, 2022. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Road to the Oscars. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Road to the Oscars. My name is David Long and I am your host. On this episode, we will be analysing the four acting categories in all their glory. We've had the Golden Globes and the Screen Actors Guild Awards, but the race is only half run with the Critics' Choice and BAFTA ceremonies still to come. Each category is interesting in its own right, with lead actress and best supporting actor looking particularly wide open as it stands. Acting is important, but do you know what? So is the whole creative process. So on the back of the Academy's decision not to air eight categories live, I say this. Please present all 23 categories. This is wrong, this is unfair, and this is... This is frankly stupid. However, I'm afraid to say that the people's protest seems to have fallen on deaf ears as the decision looks almost certain to stand. Anyway, from 23 to 4, let's have a look at this selection of fine acting performances. So get relaxed, get comfy as always, and get ready for Road to the Oscars. So, it is once again wonderful to have another special guest to join me for this episode of Road to the Oscars. To assess this selection of amazing performances is film critic, Oscars lover and YouTuber Luke Herefield. Luke, I had the privilege of finally meeting you at the London Film Festival when I think we were more caffeine than we were man. Um, How are you, good sir? Hi, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm really good. So nice to finally be talking to you again. It's been a while, but yeah. It has uh, been a while. Um, Obviously, we met at the London Film Festival, which was a busy time uh, for both of our um, schedules. Luke, before we look at the acting nominations for the 94th Academy Awards and discuss what chance they have of gold come Oscars Sunday, um, please do tell our wonderful listener what it is you do and where they can find all your work. 
Uh, sure, mate. So I would describe myself as a film, TV, vlogger. Yeah, I have a mm. lovely little YouTube channel. You can find me under Luke Hairfield. But yeah, my speciality is more award season. I love talking about the Oscars and, you know, the award season race. Uh, hence why you have me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, <laughs> darling. Uh, yeah, so if you want to keep up to date with all my uh, award season coverage, you can find me on Twitter or TikTok. That's at Luke Hairfield. Or you can find me on Instagram. Uh, that's Luke underscore Hairfield on Instagram. So. Fantastic. And please do make sure you seek out Luke's YouTube channel and follow him on all those socials he just listed. So when preparing for this episode, I thought, where the hell do we begin? Well, I'd like to begin by picking Luke's brain because he is an Oscars lover. He is an expert and he's a damn good gentleman. Um, Luke, my first question for you, obviously every award season there's snubs, there's drama, there's chaos, which is one of the reasons, obviously, we absolutely love it. What was the biggest snub for you in the acting category and what upset you the most? Ooh, biggest snub? Well, there's the snubs where, you know, they're kind of wish fulfillment picks where you don't think they're going to actually get nominated and they still end up being snubs, like their personal favourites. Like, my personal biggest snubs were Simon Rex uh, for Red Rocket, Renato Reinsphere and Anders Danielson Lee for Worst Person in the World, Robin mm. Jesus for Tick, Tick, Boom, yep. and Dowd and Jason Isaacs for Mass, Mike Face for West Side Story, and Jodie Comer for The Last Duel. Uh, yeah, those are all nominees that I wasn't expecting to like, actually be announced on Oscars morning. Um, but the ones that I'd say that were most shocking were the ones that we were kind of expecting to see, like Katrina Balfe. That was yeah. a big miss for me. Um, Lady Gaga as well. Like she'd been placing <laughs> everywhere during the yes. Best Actress uh, season. Like the, the, for her to stumble at the last hurdle was, you mm. know, really shocking. Uh, Ruth Negger as well she'd been picking up steam got the SAG got the BAFTA um, yeah she sadly didn't get into the Oscars that was a shame and I'd say Peter Dinklage as well I really yeah. wanted to if, well Peter Dinklage was kind of on the precipice of wish fulfillment fantasy pick and someone who could legi legitimately get in um, so yeah Peter Dinklage is another one who I was a bit gutted didn't get in how about you? Yeah so f for me I mean it was <sighs> For those that listen to my podcast regularly and follow me on Twitter, I was, and I, I won't mention it too much because I have mentioned it before, but I was all over Lady Gaga. Like, mm. I thought not only was she going to get nominated, I thought she had a really good chance of, of taking the Oscars home, or the Oscar home. Um, you know, she'd hit in all the places she needed to hit, and she was snubbed um yeah as well no katrina balfe obviously judy dench getting in over her no jamie dornan as well um so it was dramatic and i i love the way they release the nominations on that uh, very early in in the us about midday here it's always drama and i loved your youtube video with your reactions um <laughs> um and in terms of in terms of your reactions um who would you say you were happiest to see be nominated? What was the name that you were like, thank the Lord, this has been read out for for the Oscars uh, acting categories? <laughs> well, uh, I think I know what you're getting at here, mate. Uh, the obvious <laughs> answer is, uh, is Kristen Stewart. Oh, my yeah. God. Uh, for those of you listening, um, <laughs> what David is hinting at is my epic freak out reaction. Yeah. 
uh, to Kristen Stewart's nomination for Best Actress. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can see it on TikTok. You can see it on uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite the freak out because it's just nothing but pure, unfiltered joy because mm. there was absolutely no guarantee she was going to get into Best Actress. Like, it was the rise and fall of Kristen Stewart's journey that just made it so, I don't know, rewarding when she finally got yeah. called out. Uh, as a natural Oscar nominee, because she was the critics' darling. She was like the people's choice to win Best Actress early on. And then she missed it SAG. She missed it BAFTA. It's just like all hope seemed to have been taken away from us. Mm. And then because it was because she was the last name on the ballot as well. Yeah, just I like, know that. <laughs> the anticipation just kept building and building. And when Lady Gaga got snubbed, it was just like, who's the fifth one? Who's who's taking her spot? And then when she got called out, Kristen Stewart, it was just like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I couldn't contain it. Yeah. It was, it was a real, just, it was a wonderful inclusion. Just the fact that she made it, she was the sole nomination for Spencer, yeah. which, you know, I, th- I still think is a crime, but um, mm. yeah, the, the fact that she did make it in much deserved after such an arduous, perilous journey to the Oscars. It just, yeah, it was, it was a very gratifying and satisfying moment to see her finally be Kristen Mm. Stewart Academy Award nominee. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So obviously I was in the Lady Gaga camp, but um, I put on the record before that I'm delighted to see Kristen Stewart nominated because her performance in Spencer is incredible. But that film, as you said, overall, you know, you could have had cinematography, you could have had score, Mm. you could have had a few other acting nominations, you could have had picture, and it comes away with the one single nomination, which obviously they will be disappointed with. But we'll talk about it when we come on to Best Actress. She has an uphill battle, but it's a battle that she could win. Finally, the last question for the introduction, and it's... It's a really tough question, and it's one that I spent about an hour thinking about, and I didn't really conclude what the answer was. Um, But male or female, what's the best performance of this Oscars season and why? And it doesn't necessarily have to be um, someone who's nominated, so it could be someone who wasn't nominated. Yeah, uh, I I kind of flip-flop between And Out for Mass and Simon Rex for um, Red Rocket. Wow. Uh, yeah, those are like two of, two of the best performances of the year for me. But gun to my head, um, it would probably be Simon Rex for Red Rocket. Just because while I was watching Red Rocket, I was like very aware, like I was watching somebody give the performance of the of their career. Mm. You know how like Matthew McConaughey came along with Dallas Buyers Club? Yes. And it's sort of like completely... Transform, Reinvig- yeah. yeah, reinvigorate his role. It changed public perception on him. It was just like, oh, this this is what this person's capable of. And I felt the same sort of thing watching Simon Rex in uh, Red Rocket. This is like, oh, this is the role they were born to play. And yeah. it's also a role where I can't see any other actor on the planet doing a better job of. Like, it's just, that that's how good he is, isn't it? And the fact that he's playing this sort of sleazy an sociopathic predator and somehow makes you root for him. I mean, that says a lot about his skills as an actor. Uh, that's just incredible that he can like get you to sort of root for him and kind of like him to a degree. I yeah. think that that requires an amazing amount of skill and talent. So yeah, Simon Rex would probably be my pick for um, the best performance of this Oscar season. I think it's a bit criminal that he didn't get into the best actor race. I mean, he wasn't really included 
anywhere, which is yeah, a real shame. Yeah. You're just sort of gone unnoticed. And yeah, that bothers me a little bit. Uh, how about you? Yeah, so for me, I um, I actually went for someone who is nominated and I had a real battle picking this. And I think the, one of the reasons I've picked this particular performance is not only because it's superb, but I think this person is the nicest man on the planet. And for me, it's Troy Kotzer. Um, oh, I love I, that. Yeah. I, I, I just think his performance in Coda is so empowering. And mm. that scene on the back of the truck, like, if you don't tear up there, there's something wrong with you. Um, <laughs> and also, what I love about it is this is this film, this performance is doing so much for the deaf community. Um, we've got another Oscar nominated short documentary called Audible, um, which is about a. Um, a deaf uh, high school student and his, you know, role in, in, in an American football team at his college. And I just think it's great to see this community, this community of actors, this community of people being, you know, given the the publicity they deserve. And the, the, Troy Kotz's performance is fantastic. I'm so delighted he was nominated. So in terms of nominations, I think it's about time um, we got stuck in. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to start with the lead acting categories. But being the gentleman that I am, Luke, um, we will go ladies first. And we of will course. start with Best Actress in a Leading Role. And the nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role are Nicole Kidman, being the Ricardos, Jessica Chastain, the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, the lost daughter, Kristen Stewart, Spencer, and Penelope Cruz, parallel mothers. Now, before I bring Luke back in, I just want to give a little bit of context. Um, Kidman won the Globe and Jessica Chastain won SAG, and we will talk about that. But what I think is important as well is to look at these actresses' Oscars history and what that may mean for this season. So Jessica Chastain is actually a three-times Oscar-nominated actress. She was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress in The Help and Best Lead Actress in Zero Dark Thirty. Nicole Kidman is a five-time Oscar-nominated actress, a one-time uh, winner for The Hours in 2002. Olivia Coleman has become a real powerhouse at the Academy Awards recently. She's a three-time Oscar nominee and one-time winner for The Favourite in 2019, which was quite a big surprise. Um, as Luke said, this is Kristen Stewart's first Oscar nomination, and I can see him smiling. And finally, Penelope Cruz is a four-time Oscar nominee and one-time winner for Vicky Cristina Barcelona in 2008. And I suppose the way we're going to kick off this analysis of these five wonderful performances is just a broad question for you firstly what did you think of these nominations um you know were you happy to see these in and what did you think of these performances oh yeah great question i i love all these actresses i love, I love all these performances i mean best actress is my favorite category this year because of just how i don't know juicy it is like where it's absolutely stacked with you know mm. capital m movie stars and <laughs> and i love that i mean the one thing the, the category is missing is diversity like it, it it's it is lacking a bit of diversity so that's one thing to bring up but mm. now like when it comes to performances the caliber is really really strong uh, i like them all and i like them all for different reasons it's a nice eclectic mix in terms of like fictional roles and uh real life like biopic roles yeah. so yeah it's a it's got a nice blend in there um but yeah generally i'm 
really happy with this uh, announcement. I mean, there's there's always people I would have liked to have seen make it in, like Jodie Comer for The Last Duel or mm. um, Renata Reinsphere for um, uh, The Worst Person in the World. Uh, but yeah, you can't. <laughs> there's only five slots and you can't have it all. So even yeah. Lady Gaga missed. So that's yeah, I'm yeah. grateful for what we got. Yeah, how about you? Um, yeah, so I mean, I was obviously disappointed with Lady Gaga, but I think that, like you said, there's a real dive. Well, diverse diversity in terms of the performances mm-hmm. and perhaps not diversity in terms of the nominees there. Um, but yeah, Chastain, I think she gives a um, sort of a, an incredible performance, really. I mean, it's a lot of makeup and a lot of prosthetics, but she's just great. Um, mm. Nicole Kidman, I, I watched Being the Ricardos a few weeks ago and I think it's one of her best ever performances. I really do. Like, I just think she completely encompasses that role. Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, um, again, you know, arguably it's up there with one of her best. It, that is a heavy film. That's a mm. difficult film to watch. But the way that you get involved with that character is just, you know, it's a roller coaster. Kristen Stewart, when I watched... Um, Spencer at the London Film Festival. Craig, actually, I've got to give Craig a shout out on this show as well because we walked out of the London Film Festival and he was like, that's going to win an Oscar or that's going to get nominated at least. And he may (laughs) well be proven right. And finally, Penelope Cruz in um, Parallel Mothers. Uh, I haven't actually seen that yet. That's on my to watch list. Um, So, yeah, I, I think the performances are incredible. And like you said, it's, you know, five slots. It's always tough to to narrow it down. And Lady Gaga misses. Um, from those five performances, Luke, what 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 one was your favourite? Or is that too oh. hard of a question? No, it's, it's actually a very easy question. Kristen Stewart, hands down, <laughs> Spencer. Like, don't even need a second to think about it. It, yeah. it was my favourite, like, by a good distance as well. So, yeah, mm. just yeah, I, the depths that Kristen Stewart goes to in that role. Um, it's just miraculous. Uh, yeah, acting. and... But one thing I would say, and I don't know if you noticed this, it's not necessarily the voice which is spot on. What haunted me was her mannerisms, the way she moved. If you look at old, you know, documentary footage of Princess Diana, the way she moves, particularly those subtle head movements and the movements of the hands, are so, um, so spot on. It's it's absolutely mesmerising to see. Um, yeah, and. Before we we move on to who ultimately we think might win the the Academy Award, two questions. What did you make of the Golden Globe and SAG results obviously being different? And how much stock can we put on the Golden Globes? Because they're sort of in the doghouse. Do you think they're as important this year as other years? Oh, well, I would say... I definitely didn't see Nicole Kinman winning the Golden Globe. Like, I didn't predict that at all. Um, I did predict Jessica Chastain winning the SAG, mm. um, which I was very happy about. Um, yeah, so normally Golden Globe, especially for Best Actress in a Drama, is a very reliable um, indicator as to who we're going to see win uh, the Oscar for Best Actress. Uh, I think it's, what, eight out of... Oh, no, maybe it's nine. It's either eight or nine times... Uh, over the past 11 years that yeah. uh, best drama at the Golden Globes has matched um, with the uh, uh, with the Oscar win. 
Uh, and then there was two for comedy as well, which were Olivia mm. Colman and uh, Emma Stone. So yeah, it's a very reliable indicator. But obviously last year we had Andrew Day win and then Francis McDormand went on to win the, uh, the Oscar. It was very chaotic last year. Again, Best Actress last year was just... Chaos. Not as chaotic as this year, but this, this year feels more chaotic, if I'm being honest. But I love that. Um, and as for, as, as for the validity of the Golden Globe win, I'm, it's, it's hard for me to know just because of how yeah. topsy-turvy this award season is. Because, I mean, history does suggest it's a reliable, you know, predictor. But at the same time, there's so many other variables this year. Yes. Uh, where it's hard for me to know if I can take it seriously because Golden Globes is what decided by, I don't know, 100 plus members of the Hollywood yes. Foreign Press Association. And they're journalists, not industry. And it's a very mm. small number of people in comparison to the Oscars, which is, you know, thousands upon thousands of people. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure it's the most reliable one this year because, mm. yeah, because last year was just as up and down. So yeah, I'm I'm not banking on the Golden Globe winner to be my main factor going into my Oscar predictions as to who I think is going to win. Like it's it's something that'll come into play, but mm. it's not something that I will make my predictions solely based off of. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I totally agree. And it's interesting you mentioned that crossover. I've actually got a crossover stat here. Um, oh, lovely. This this stack um, actually came from Mike, Mike and Oscar. So um, a big shout out to those guys. Thank you for these stats. So all the SAG Oscar crossover stats that I've got um, came from them. They they had uh, the goodwill to look them up. Um, so thank you to Mike, Mike and Oscar. And basically, nineteen of twenty seven SAG winners have gone on to win Best Actress at the Oscar. That's seventy percent. So that's a really really good. Um, crossover and for me that probably makes Jessica Chastain um the leader in the clubhouse you know I think she's she's up front leading there but I think Nicole Kidman is very very close and I did include this in the Google document and excuse me I if you've listened to previous episodes you'll know I'm a bit of a bit of a gambling man and um I have included the betting odds here, and they're fascinating because Nicole Kidman is the thirteen to eight favourite, but then Jessica mm. Chastain is second favourite at seven to four. If you understand gambling odds, that makes them very, very close. And actually, in some books, Chastain is favourite. In other books, Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman is favourite. What does that mean? Well, in simple terms, it means nobody really knows at this point who's going to win. Even the bookmakers who are willing to obviously um, win or lose money on this particular award. Olivia Coleman is five to one. Kristen Stewart is six to one, and Penelope Cruz is the outsider at twenty to one. So the bookmakers would suggest it's between Nicole Kidman and Jessica Chastain. Then Olivia Coleman has a chance. Kristen Stewart at six to one. That fascinates me from a gambling perspective because she was the heavy bookmaker favourite for a long, long time. The perceived front runner. Yes, she's a lone nominee, but. In this crazy award season where we could see, obviously we're going to see Globe, SAG, BAFTA is definitely going to be different. 
um, and then Critics' Choice as well, you know, don't rule out Kristen Stewart winning that Oscar. I really think she's got a good chance. Um, which leads me on to my final question for you, Luke, on this category, and it is a tough one. I don't want to know who you want to win. I want to know who you think's going to win. What's your prediction in light of those betting odds and how the bookmakers see it? Who do you think will win Oscars Gold in the lead actress category? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry to put you on the spot. (laughs) That is a big question. Well, it's so. Oh, that is a difficult question. All right. Because, honest to God, I do see Best Actress as a legitimate five way race. Like, I can make an argument for literally all five of these women to win. And, like I said, some of them do have better odds based on statistics yeah but oh it's just this again there's so many variables this year like the fact that none of them placed a BAFTA which is Mm. a Uh, huge it's a huge reliable indicator as to who's going to go on to win best actress at the Oscars because best actress at BAFTA has matched the last eight years in a row so the fact that we don't have that this year just makes it even more level in a sense and and again no one seems to be sweeping. No. Um, but yeah, Golden Globe is a reliable indicator. And like you said, SAG has what? Has had a 70% success ratio yes. between uh, Best Actress, the, the SAGs and the Oscars. So that's usually where I'd go. But last year I went with Viola Davis because she won mm. the SAG. And that was my logic that she yeah. would continue that there. Oh, but the other variables is that none of these uh, performances are in Best Picture Contenders either. Yes, that's so, a very good point. Yeah, that makes it even harder because like, that's kind of what took Nomadland, sorry, Frances McDormand for Nomadland over the finish line, I think, is that she was in a Best Picture Contender with more mm. nominations. It gives the Academy more reason to prioritise watching that film. And when, and when you've seen the movie, it makes you more inclined to vote for it because they, they can't possibly watch every single thing that they have to. So, yeah, they tend to prioritize the movies with the most nominations mm. because, you know, good point. it implies this massive support for the film. Uh, and, yes, even though Carrie Mulligan uh, seemed to be, you know, a legitimate contender last year, you know, her film also was in a Best Picture contender, but, you know, even she couldn't get to the finish line, even though she was also kind of like the Kristen Stewart this year. She yeah. was the people's choice. You know, like she, there was a lot of vocal support for her on film Twitter. But this year, oh, gosh. It's, um, it's, 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 it's the hard, I would say, it's probably the hardest category. It's yeah. definitely the hardest category of the four. And historically, I've been covering the Oscars and Road to the Oscars for three years. I think yeah. it's one of the hardest questions I've ever asked on this show. So I do apologise, Luke. But there is, okay. no, there is no wrong answer. Um, exactly. You know, obviously, if they lose, it's a wrong answer. But <laughs> and the great thing about this category is... Yeah, the great thing about the category is though, like, no matter who wins, I'll still be happy for whoever yes. wins. I mean, as miscongeniality as that is to say, like, <laughs> I'd be happy for any one of these to win. Um, there's 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 a literal path for any one of them. Like, some people mm. have ruled out Penelope Cruz because she uh, is what the least popular on the uh, the bookies. Yeah, the betting odds. Yeah, she's the outsider. Yeah. But this, but people have to remember, like she actually won the Volpe Cup against two of her competitors at the Oscars, Olivia yes. Coleman and Kristen Stewart. So like she has, you know, she could have more appeal to international voters at the Oscars as well because like she is really so international and really beloved. But also, Parallel Mothers 
is the most liked movie out of all the films that these women are nominated for. Like, it has the highest score on IMDb, it has the highest score on Rotten Tomatoes, it has the highest score on Metacritic. So it's actually the most crowd-pleasing and critic-pleasing film of the mm. bunch. So that kind of does give her an alleyway into the, in, into the win. Whereas Kristen Stewart, again... The critics, darling, she's won countless trophies for Spencer in terms of like in the critics groups. Yes. And yeah, she did seem like the early front runner. And also you know, the Academy does sometimes love championing an ingenue to win. Like she's just about that red age. You know, like when Emma Stone won, when Jennifer Lawrence won, when Brie Larson won, when Natalie Portman won, they're all sort of young actresses right on the verge of, you know, like being like mega stars. And mm. they, and like there's an argument to me that Kristen Stewart could do that. And she was obviously the front runner for so long and then she just fell when she didn't get the SAG and the BAFTA nomination. So that damaged her chances. And then there's Olivia Coleman, who has all the prestige, all yes, the love. Yes. And like, it is a very challenging role, The Lost Daughter. Mm. And, and I think the Academy has been sort of leaning towards that way, like going for the more challenging, naturalistic, realistic roles. Like with Frances McDormand last year winning for Nomadland, they could continue that. And they're not afraid to like, give an actress her second Oscar, even if it's a fresh win, because Frances McDormand, there's only a three-year gap between her two Oscar, Oscar wins. So, and Olivia Colman is so damn beloved. Everybody who talks about Olivia Colman just loves her. Like, it's, it's, like, it's, it's hard not to fall in love with her because she's so wonderful and charming and talented and like she would be deserving. And then there's Jessica Chastain, who I think has the best narrative so to speak yes because she is like you said she's been nominated for the help and 0.30 and i think she was probably like the runner-up that year that she was up for 0.30 she lost to jennifer lawrence um but i think she probably might just have the slightest of edges over nicole kidman because while nicole kidman is way, way, way overdue for a second Oscar. It's actually kind of baffling she doesn't have a second Oscar. It's, <laughs> it's 19 years ago that she won yes, for the hours. Yes, wow, it's so, yeah. time, man. Indeed, yeah. Like, she is one of the hardest working, most versatile actors we have. And like, you know, it's strange she doesn't have a second one. But Jessica Chastain, now that she has the SAG, that implies that the actors branch, which is the largest voting branch at the Academy, might just give it to her. And the fact that she hasn't won previously yes. might be enough. Like, my mindset is sort of saying, like, it's kind of between Kidman and Chastain with Olivia Coleman being a slight dark horse, but then I can't rule out... <laughs> I can't rule out Kristen Stewart or Penelope Cruz either. But yeah, in my <laughs> head, based on the statistics, it sh- it, based on statistics, it's between... Kidman and Chastain in my mind. And I think Chastain has just a little bit more working in her favor, I think. Yeah. But yeah, because the awards race is so topsy-turvy, I can't, yeah, I could see it like just being the year that defies all expectations. Yes. Because the, the rule, well, the unspoken rule in Best Actress is no actress has ever gone on to win Best Actress at the Oscars without a SAG nomination. Yes. Yes. They're for the same role. So that puts Kristen Stewart and Penelope Cruz at an immediate disadvantage. But because there's so much chaos swirling around this category this year, yeah. could this be the year where they finally prove the rule wrong or one of them goes on to be the exception to the rule? I think it could happen. Like, I can't rule it out. I know some people have ruled out 
Penelope Cruz and Kristen Stewart because of the stat thing. Yeah. But I just think there's too much going on to like completely roll them out because mm. there could be a groundswell of support for Kristen Stewart now. You know how like Argo went on to win Best Picture when Ben Affleck was denied the Best uh, Director Absolutely, trophy? Yeah, yeah the, the nomination. The nomination. It's kind of like that. There was a sort of groundswell support. Like they gave him best picture for Argo because like it was like very much deserved. And that could kind of be the same situation with Kristen Stewart. She could have actually gotten more sympathy now for the really egregious, shocking snub of Zag and BAFTA. <laughs> so people might be might actually a little bit more, you know, sympathetic to the cause now that there's been so much discourse surrounding the snubbery. Mm. So m- maybe she might just get enough people voting for her to get it to the edge. But yeah. It's it's I'm, I'm rambling. I'm so sorry. I'm just I'm no, so honestly, passionate about that this. was that was that was an absolutely fantastic answer, and I think it highlights <sighs> the confusion in this category. And <laughs> confusion is the word <laughs> because you know. Firstly, I was listening to to Mike, Mike and Oscar last night, and Ryan McQuaid was on there, and he was saying, "Don't rule out Penelope Cruz as well." I know she's a twenty to one shot with the bookmakers, but I think it's a wide open category. The way I'm assessing this is, I thought you hit the nail well, you hit the nail on the head multiple times with what you said, but really, when you talked about there being a narrative for Jessica Chastain, this is my brief analysis. So Kidman has won an Oscar. Coleman has won an Oscar. Penelope Cruz has won an Oscar. Jessica Chastain is a three-time Oscar nominee now, previously nominated, as we said, for The Help and, and Zero Dark Thirty, and she hasn't won. So is there a narrative that it's just her time? On the back of winning SAG that has that 70% crossover rate, I think Jessica Chastain is the one to beat. Having said that, I cannot ignore Kristen Stewart. I just cannot ignore her. Now, I know no actress, as you said, has ever won an Oscar without first being nominated at SAG, but these kind of statistics, these kind of rules are there to be broken. So I think it's between Jessica Chastain and Kristen Stewart. Um, And for me, one is, you know... Uh, I think seven to four and one is six to one. So I would rather be on Kristen Stewart at six to one um, from a betting perspective, because obviously I will win more money and that would be wonderful. But for me, I'm going to stick with Jessica Chastain uh, on the back of that SAG win. Um, that leads us on to the next category, which I'm hoping should be a, li- <laughs> a little <laughs> bit easier for us to analyse, because it does look like a slightly clearer race. Um, Mm. The nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role are Will Smith, King Richard, Benedict Cumberpatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. I think the interesting thing in this category is Will Smith has won both Globe and SAG, and all of these nominees are... Um, previous nominees and some are previous winners. If you look at Will Smith, he's now three-time Oscar nominee. He's never won despite his previous nominations in Ali and the Pursuit of Happiness in the league category. Uh, Benedict Cumberpatch, or Benedict Cumberboo, as we like to call him, um, is a two-time Oscar nominee after previously being nominated for The Imitation Game in 2014. Um, Andrew Garfield was nominated for Hacksaw Ridge in 2017, an incredible performance. Denzel is a 10-time Oscar-nominated actor and two-time winner, um, Best Supporting Actor for Glory in 1990 and Best Leading Actor Training Day 2002. And then to complicate things more... 
Um, you have Javier Bardem with his fourth Oscar nomination. He's a previous winner for his supporting role in No Country for Old Men. Now, this looks to me like a clearer race than the lead actress, simply because Will Smith has won the Globe and the SAG. Um, we will talk about that. Um but firstly, are you happy with these nominations? Um, what did you think of these five performances? Oh, um, I'm not unhappy with these uh, performances in in Best Actor. Um, oh, I, I, no, I really loved them all. Apart from, I wasn't crazy in love with uh, Javier Bardem's uh, being the Ricardos. It's, like, it's a it's a it's a perfectly good performance. Mm. But like when I was making my fantasy picks. Like Andrew Garfield, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, and um, Benedict Cumberbatch made it into my four anyways. Yeah. And the person I wanted in replacement of Harvey Bardem was like Simon Rex or Peter Dinklage. Um, okay. And the other thing about this category that I don't know is I don't know if it, it's a bad thing. It's just that, like you said, like it's a category consisting of uh, previous nominees and winners, mm. and yes. like that's this is actually the first time since 1981 where it's been an it's been a lineup of all five have been nominated or won for previous. Oh wow, great uh, Oscars! Yeah, so 1981 was last time uh, we didn't have a, a a single new nominee, and I don't know that, that's it missed me a little bit that um, we don't have a single new face in the mix. Like mm. I just think it's always. It's always more interesting when people get their first nominations because it's just nice to see fresh faces rather than the same people getting nominated over and over again, which is why, like, you know, the argument for Sam Rex or Peter Dinklage would have been... It just would have been a lovely, happy inclusion, and it would have meant so much more to them, you know, getting their first ever Oscar nomination than Harvey Bodan getting his fourth, you know? So, yeah, that's the only thing about this category. I like, I, I respect all the performances in it. I'm not really unhappy about anyone mm. getting into the mix. It's just uh, I would have liked to have seen one first-time uh, nominee in the mix. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Smith, Cumberbatch, Garfield... Washington were were four for me. I actually had Leo in at five. Um, yeah. I thought his performance in uh, Don't Look Up, particularly that speech that he gave, I think that will become, I don't want to say iconic, but I think that will be looked back on with perhaps more favour than the film has received on Rotten Tomatoes because I think Don't Look Up is the lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes film in terms of the Best Picture nominations. Mm. Um, the, it's, it's, it's a tough one because... I think Garfield is superb. Um, I think he he really is. I think the fact that he won um, comedy or musical um, at the Golden Globe and didn't get to make a speech, I think that impacted him because I think he would have given a great speech and could have livened the race up a little bit. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch literally owns that role. Like, he really owns that role. Denzel doing Shakespeare is just mesmerising. Um, mm. And I think Javier, and the betting odds would agree, Javier Bardem is probably the... I think it's a very fine performance, but I think of the five, it's probably the weakest. And Will Smith, I saw King Richard, as I think you did, at the London Film Festival. It's a transformative role. Um, it's a brilliant performance in a very empowering and decent film. Um, 
obviously Smith has won the Globe and the SAG. So my next question for you is a bit of a tongue twister, but uh, bear with me. It is, will, will sweep? <laughs> yeah, do that's do you think say. Will Smith's going to, obviously he's taken um, Globe and SAG. Do you think he'll, I, he's nominated at BAFTA and Critics' Choice, isn't he? Yeah, yes, he is. He's yeah. placed everywhere they need so to. So do you think he's going to sweep this season? Uh, or do you think someone like Garfield could pop up or Cumberbatch at BAFTA? <laughs> it's fun to say, isn't it? Will Will sweep. <laughs> um, okay. okay. I do agree that I think Best Actor is a clearer race than Best Actress is. However, I do I actually think that Best Actor is a lot closer than a lot of people think. I know a lot of people seem to think Will Smith is comfortably out in front, and there's definitely enough evidence to suggest that with uh, his win at the Golden Globe and the SAG and the National Board of Review. So yeah, Will Smith does seem to be having the momentum. He gave an amazing speech at SAG as well, mm. which like will definitely help propel him forward. However, I, I do think this is going to be a two-way race uh, between Smith and Cumberbatch uh, when the BAFTAs come along. Yep. Because, yeah, with the, with the BAFTAs, there's that whole British biasness at play. And generally, um, the BAFTAs do tend to gravitate more towards the homegrown talent. So Benedict Cumberbatch being British does give him a slight advantage. Also, I think with the BAFTAs... <laughs> They tend to go with, I don't know, slightly more grittier films than, like, so I would say comparatively, The Power of the Dog to King Richard, Power of the Dog is much more... Heavy. And it's more <laughs> heavy, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more intellectually stimulating, and uh, I think they will gravitate more towards a performance like Cumberbatch's than Smith's in a nice, mm. charming uh, sports biopic drama. Um, so the fact that Smith even got the BAFTA nomination was a bit of a surprise to yeah. me. I actually thought he was going to be snubbed. So the fact that he made it into BAFTA is wonderful. Yeah, well, like, Denzel elated. was snubbed at BAFTA. Um, yeah, but, that, that was crazy, wasn't it? When I was it's doing, weird. Yeah, that. Uh, doing research for this episode and a previous episode, he's never been nominated at BAFTA. Yeah, isn't that bonkers? Because he's the most nominated black man at the Oscars with 10 nominations yeah. and two wins. And yet, by stark contrast, he has never had a single BAFTA nomination. Isn't that bonkers? I mean, that is like, absolutely bonkers. And it, I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You can conclude <laughs> what you want from that statistics, yes. dear listener. Um, I That's think crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I think, um, I think you make a compelling case there for why Will might not sweep. Um, yeah. Before I give my um, analysis on that, just to say that the SAG to Oscar crossover, 21 of 27 SAG winners have won the Oscar in lead actor. That's actually 78%. So Will Smith is in a real front-running position, and the betting mm. odds would reflect that. So Will Smith is 1-3. to three. Uh, Benedict Cumberpatch... Cumber, I always say Cumberpatch. It's Cumberbatch. <laughs> But it doesn't matter. We get his name wrong all the time. Um, Cumberbatch is seven to two. Garfield is ten to one. Denzel Washington is thirty-three to one. And then Javier Bardem, as we spoke about, sort of being that outsider, is fifty to one. Um, one to three is basically, a, you know, a strong, a strong favourite, but not a ludicrously heavy favourite. It basically means you need to put on three pounds to win a pound, or thirty pound to win ten, or three hundred to win a hundred. So you've got to pay money to get a little bit of money back, um, which is the bookmaker's way of protecting themselves. 
The interesting thing about this is Smith has won the Globe and the SAG, but I think that's where his journey to Oscars gold... Ultimately, I think he could still win the Oscar, but I think Cumberbatch is going to win Critics' Choice. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think um, Benedict is going to win at BAFTA. Um, I haven't got the odds in front of me, but I do know he's actually the bookmaker's favourite to win at BAFTA, and Will Smith is second favourite. So we could have an intriguing race where Smith has won the Globe and the SAG, but then Cumberbatch comes back with Critics' Choice and um, BAFTA, which would make it, you know, they would both have solid resumes. Um going into Oscars Sunday. For me, ultimately, I think it's a two-horse race. I think as good as Andrew Garfield is, I think I don't think he can win. And then Denzel Washington and Javier Bardem are, are I, I don't want to say just happy to be there, but I think they're on the outside. <laughs> they're knocking on the door, but I don't think that door will open. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting category. Um, and... Uh, if I had to predict now, sort of gun to my head, see, I haven't even, you would think I'd be more prepared for this podcast. I haven't actually <laughs> decided, but on the spot, again, with that with that history, that you know, this is his third Oscar nomination. He didn't win for Ali. He didn't win for The Pursuit of Happiness. So I'm going to stick with Will Smith. But it's a really intriguing category. Um, and I, I totally agree with what you said. Like, a lot of people are saying, put a fork in it, it's done. This is over. This is Will Smith's. Well, hang on, wait a minute. There's still two major voting bodies still to vote. Both could go to Cumberbatch. And that could really liven the race up. Um, what we'll do is we'll move now on to Best Supporting Actress and Actor. And again, we will go with um, Ladies First. And this is a little bit of a different um, sort of angle, a different kind of category, because in the Best Supporting Actress category, four of these five nominees are first-time nominees, um, with Dame Judi Dench the only previous nominee. So the nominees are Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog, Ingenue Ellis, King Richard, Dame Judi Dench, Belfast, and Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter. As I said, Ariana DeBose, Kirsten Dunst, Ingenue Ellis, and Jesse Buckley are all first-time nominees. Judi Dench, however, is an eighth-time nominee and one-time winner for Shakespeare in love obviously we can talk about um ruth negger missing out and katarina balf i don't know where to go with my first question i i think i'll 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 mix it up and ask what did you make of this judy dench nomination oh (laughs) well (laughs) i don't get me wrong i love judy dench she's a wonderful actress uh and she was an an utter surprise on Oscars morning, mm. like uh, <laughs> a big shock. One of the biggest. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so actually, Jesse Buckley was a bit of a surprise as well. I know she'd scored at BAFTA and all that. So, uh, but yeah, I still thought that was a surprise, but Judy Dench was definitely the, the biggest shock. The fact that she squeezed out Katrina Balf, you know, her co-star from Belfast was, you yeah. know, madness. Uh, Cause she'd placed everywhere that she needed to. And Katrina mm. Balf uh, was probably like, you know, in a position two or three in a lot of people's predictions of, as to who could win it until she got snubbed. Um, so, yeah, Judy Dench, I, yeah, 
I love her uh, and I like her performance <laughs> in Belfast. But um, if we were going to have a surprise, could we please have had Anne Dowd? That's all I yeah. wanted was just Anne Dowd for maths. That would have been, you know, I mean, I probably would have freaked out even more than my Kristen Stewart mm. freak out uh, if Anne Dowd had squeezed in. But yeah, Judy Dench, uh, like I'm happy for her, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like, oh, she's here because, you know, she's Judy Dench. She's beloved by the Academy. Like she... She probably just got in, you know, for being Judy Dench. You know? yeah. <laughs> she's just so she's so beloved by the Academy. So it, it just kind of feels like, um, oh, we don't know what to do with the fifth spot. Oh, we'll give it to Judy Dench. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... What is, you know, really odd about this category is we're either going to have a first-time Oscar winner or we're going to have Judy Dench winning her second with her eighth nomination. Um We'll get onto the betting odds shortly. Judy Dench is is the fourth favourite at eighteen to one. She's actually more, mm. according to the bookmaker, she's more likely to win than Jessie Buckley, and her her betting line has actually come down, which means that people have been putting money on it. I just want to say on the record, the Judy Dench nomination terrifies me. I think if she's nominated, I think it would make absolutely no sense with it being like this w- random. You know, one nomination, she hasn't hit at any of the precursors. But she is so beloved by the Academy. And I just wonder when people go to vote on that ballot, if they see her name and they just think, well, it's Dame Judi Dench. I'm just going to tick that box. So don't rule Judi Dench out. Look, I don't think she will win. But the fact that she's there, I think, is very, very interesting indeed. Obviously, so far, we've had um, Ariana DeBose win Golden Globe and SAG. She is a one to four favourite, so a stronger favourite than um, Will Smith. Kirsten Dunst is five to one. Angelou Ellis, nine to one. Judi Dench, 18 to one. And Jesse Buckley, 25 to one. In terms of the crossover, supporting actress... Um, to Oscar, 20 of the last 27 SAG winners have gone on to win the Supporting Actress Oscar. That's 74%. So I asked you, mm. do I do you think Will will sweep? Um, this looks like Ariana DeBose's category to lose, right? Is, would that be a fair ass- assessment? Yeah, I've been saying for a while now, I feel pretty confident with Ariana DeBose being the only sweeper of the four acting categories this yeah. year. Like, she's... She's the only one in of the five uh, Oscar to have landed everywhere that she needs. Mm. And like her SAG nomination wasn't a guarantee because there was an issue with the West Side Story screeners, but she still made it through. It just shows like there's so much support for this performance already. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that she also won gives her a great boost. It gave a lovely speech as mm. well. Plus it's the type of, sometimes you just watch a performance and you go, oh yeah, the Academy's just going to click with this. They're going to love it. And yeah, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story is very much that. It's the type of young, up-and-coming, fresh-faced individual who sings, acts, and dances her way into the Academy's heart. Yes, yes. With such a wonderful performance, very impactful emotionally as well towards the end of the film. Like, it just... It's it's a film that just really grabs you and refuses to let you go. And, um, yeah, she just... Ariana DeBose just like, really fits the mould perfectly uh, for a Best Supporting Actress winner. And also Rita Marino, who played her co-star in West Side Story, who played uh, Anita back in, uh, what, she won the Oscar from 1962? So yeah, there's like a, there's, there's a nice bit of poetry there. Yeah. And like, 
Ariana DeBose like winning for the same role, you know, for the, what her co-star played. And also Ariana DeBose will, if she does win, she'll be the first openly queer and Afro-Latina woman to win an Oscar ever. Yeah. And that's just like, it's a huge tick for progress. It's a huge win in the books. And like, I, I, I can't, uh, I, like if someone else does win, be Ariana DeBose to it, I will actually be flabbergasted because like there's just, there's too much working in her favor for her to win this. So like if she did, if she did get beat by say Judy Dench or someone, I would, I would, yeah, my jaw would be on the floor. So yeah, it would be quite the gag. So yeah, yeah I feel quite confident in saying Ariana DeBose is taking home the Oscar. Like she's the only one I feel confident saying of the four acting categories is going to win at this point. Yeah, like I said, um the you know, of of all the acting categories, she, according to the bookmakers, is the strongest favourite. And I put a big stamp of approval on what you've ever what you just said. It would be a great um Oscar win for Ariana DeBose for progress, which is still mm. n- drastically needed from the Academy. There's always room mm-hmm. for more progress, but also, as you said, she dances her way, dances her way into our hearts. It's a great physical, powerful, um, controlling, commanding performance. Um, I think she'll win Oscars gold. Um, I think she'll sweep. Um, mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but I think the biggest threat to her is Judy Dench. I really do. I just think with Judy Dench, again, you know, people might think he's gone mad again, um, but <laughs> I just think it's it's Ariana DeBose's to lose. But I wouldn't if they shouted Judy Dench's name out. It wouldn't it wouldn't actually surprise me. I think it would surprise every other pundit on the planet. Um, but I'm yep. just being a little bit different. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was best supporting actress, um, which. Um, leads us nicely on to Best Supporting Actor. Um, So we're on to our last category, and along with Best Actress, it's probably, I would say, the most intriguing, actually. Uh, And the nominees Mm. are Cody Smith-McPhee, The Power of the Dog, Troy Kotzer, Coda, Kieran Hines, Belfast, J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos, and Jesse Plemons, The Power of the Dog. As I said, the first man ever to be nominated for an Oscar for reading a sauce bottle label. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. Um, Smith McPhee, Kotzer, Hines and Plemons are all first-time nominees. J.K. Simmons, um, two-time nominee. His only previous nomination led him to win Best Supporting Actor for Whiplash in 2015. Dear listener, if you haven't seen Whiplash, watch it. J.K. Simmons gives one of, I would say, the best supporting uh, acting performances I've ever seen. Um, Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, yes. it's it's a masterful piece of work. So physical and aggressive and just chaos. Terrifying. Um, yeah. This is a really, really interesting race for the, for the sake that Cody Smith-McPhee won the Globe um, and he was actually the bookmaker's favourite to win SAG but Troy Kotzer caused, I don't want to call it an upset because Troy Kotzer couldn't upset anything. He's just wonderful. Um, but it was a bit of a surprise, um, so to say, that he won the SAG. Um, how do you feel about these nominees? What's sort of your favourite performance of, of these five? Oh, I, I love this mix of uh, nominees. Uh, I will say J.K. Simmons was a bit of a surprise. I, I would I agree with that, that yeah. Yeah, that was a shocker. Uh, but good, good for him. It's like 
the fact that this is only his second ever Oscar nom is, is another one where I'm like, wow, like he's had such an incredible career, but this is only his second Oscar nom. Uh, but yes, I've been seeing this as a two way race, mm. like ever since they had, like announced, well, ever since award season begun, it's like been the Cody Smith McPhee versus Troy Kotzer yeah. show. Um, and I'm loving it and it's an actual race as well. Like it's not just a, a dead cert as to who's going to win. Like it really is a race. It's more interesting that way when it's, when it's yeah. an actual race rather than an obvious pick like Ariana DeBose. So, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it, it's it's really um, sort of intriguing to look at the at the betting lines here. So Cody Smith McPhee is the four to seven betting favorite. Troy Kotzer mm. is second favorite at eleven to eight. Kieran Hines is ten to one. J.K. Simmons twenty five to one, and Jesse Plemons thirty three to one. So what you're looking at is that four to seven and that eleven to eight. The bookmakers are basically saying this looks like a two horse race. But Cody Smith McPhee was one to four before the SAG, and <laughs> Troy Kotzer was three to one. So those betting lines have swung around and contracted to the point where now. Cody Smith-McPhee is still the favourite, and I think if you speak to most pundits, they would probably, if they had to put their house on it, would would back Cody Smith-McPhee. But I think Troy Kotzer is... Like I said, I just think there's a narrative with him. Just his speech at the SAG, his gen- when he fell off his chair, when he was nominated <laughs> at BAFTA, I believe, was just wonderful to see. Um so my, I mean, one question I had for you is, and I, I want an answer: is is Troy Kotzer the most wonderful man on the planet? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, mate. I have to agree. He's, just, <laughs> he's so damn charming. Uh, the speech at the SAG just mm. like really, I think, has done wonders for him because I don't know he really did connect with people, especially the acting community yeah. as a whole. Having to sleep in his car, the struggle of being an actor, mm. just like oh my god! Like, and he was just so funny and sweet, and just like, yeah. He, and it's the same in his performance; it's really reflected in his performance. And I do think he, I, I'm currently predicting Troy Kotzer to win, yeah, I just because I think I think he has um, a better narrative, like you said. Also, like I do think they tend to, especially with the male categories, they do tend to go older, and I feel like because Cody Smith McPhee's career is going to really take off yes, after the Power of the Dog anyways. Massively. So, yeah, and I think they'll probably want to acknowledge um, Troy Kotzer. Also, a win for the deaf community would be absolutely. absolutely phenomenal. But also the performance itself. I mean, ever ever since like award season race begun, I always thought like, I was saying to myself, okay, Cody Smith McPhee's performance is the one the critics will love, but Cody, sorry, but Troy Kotzer's performance is the one that the industry will love yes. because it's more heartwarming and tear inducing and just very sweet and it has those moments to just make you really go oh like it's it's kind of like Yajun Yoon last year with Minari yeah, it's just like yeah. a, a, a performance that melts your heart and you just like it's got a nice blend of dra- dramatic moments and comedic moments and yeah it's 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 the type of role that I could see winning an Oscar for like mm. it's just it's, it's a perfect like Oscar typey uh, role for Troy Kotzer whereas Cody Smith McPhee's is a beautifully understated performance. It's more internalized. It's more subtextual. It's, uh, it's a lot darker. And yes. I think there's real skill in his performance. Mm. And he is absolutely deserving if he wins. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm leaning more towards with my heart uh, than my head. And I'm going with Troy Kotzer because I sometimes think emotionality does 
play a big factor when people place their votes. And I was more emotionally moved by Troy Kotz's performance than I was um, Cody Smith with Yeah, so that's kind yeah, of I, um, I, t- I, t- I tend to really agree with what you said there because... I remember watching Troy Kotz's performance on Apple TV Plus back in um, sort of uh, August of last year, I believe, uh, August, September time, and just thinking, wow, this is... I mean, this film, I thought, I hope it gets a Best Picture nomination. I hope it has some support in the acting categories, which it has. Um, I'm just leaning towards that Kotzer narrative. And also, I'm going to play it safe in the sense that 19 of the last... 27 SAG winners have gone on to win the Oscar, which is a 70% crossover. So seven out of 10 years, Kotsu is going to go on to land Oscars gold. And the last question on this category, and it's it's on the theme of cannibalization. Do you think... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird one, but Jesse yes. Plemons and um, Cody Smith-McPhee are obviously nominated for the same movie. Do you think yes. it's possible that that could split votes? So Academy members who like The Power of the Dog, some vote for um, um, Plemons, some fo- vote for McPhee, which opens a path for Troy Kotzer to come through the middle. Or have I gone mad again? No, 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 no. I, I totally get the argument. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, just because... That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, just because um, Cody Smith. Don't get me wrong. Both Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee. Nice to see them both acknowledged mm. in the same movie. And yes, there is the whole argument that when you have two actors in the same a movie in the same category, will they split votes? Um, which is also another reason, like to go with Troy Kotzer, I think, mm. is that then maybe they will split the votes. But I don't think that is going to be the case. I don't think it's a case of Cody Smith McPhee losing votes to Jesse Plemons. I think it's kind of like it's the most standout performance of the two. He's been having the most traction, the mm. most discussion this awards season. Jesse Plummons has been in the discussion, but Cody Smith McPhee has sort of been the focal supporting character who's been taking home the Golden Globe and other so many critics awards. And there's past cases where there's a where that where there's one performance which stands out more, like Daniel Kaluuya versus um, the Keith Stanfield and Judas and Black Messiah last yep. year. He was the obvious front runner. And then a few years prior, we had three billboards with Sam Rockwell and uh, Woody Harrelson. And Sam Rockwell was, you know, getting all the uh, traction buzz. And so, yeah, like I understand why people think that way, that it will split votes. But I don't think Cody Smith-McPhee will lose because Jesse Plemons is in the same category. Like, I don't think that's going to be like the, the if he does lose, if that's going to be the reason why. Like, I, I think there's more to it than that is the thing. That's yeah. all I'm trying to say. No, no, that's, uh, you know, really valid points you made there. Um, yeah. Which pretty much does lead us to the end of the show. And off the cuff, one last question. What do you think is the... In all four categories, and I think I know the answer, if you had to confidently put your house on one winner, which category would it be and who would it be? Ariana DeBose. Yeah. No question. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is the only one I feel confident is actually going to win. Like, there's, there's bits of doubt for everyone apart from Ariana DeBose. Like, you've, you've kind of planted a seed of doubt with your Judy Dench claim, but yeah. I'm still not seeing it that way. I still think Ariana DeBose has way more working in her favour. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Ariane DeBose is the safe, sensible, 
guaranteed prediction if you're going to put your money on anyone and guarantee a win i think ariana Boza is your safest option people and so, i yeah. put a big stamp of approval on that statement for me ariana debose <laughs> is also the sort of the banker the slam dunk the lock the yes. the certainty we're all going to be rich none of us are going to be rich <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us on the fourth episode of this Road to the Oscars series. Luke, it has been absolutely wonderful chatting to you. Um, can't wait to see you again, hopefully at the London Film Festival, maybe some other film festivals. Um, just remind the listener where they can find you and perhaps some of the things that you've got coming up on your on your roster. Of course. So uh, if, uh, if you want to keep up to date with all my award season coverage, you can follow me on Twitter or TikTok. They're both at Luke Hearfield. Or you can follow me on Instagram. That's at Luke underscore Hearfield. And also you can find me on YouTube. Uh, just type in my name, Luke Hearfield, H-E-A-R-F-I-E-L-D. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I've got lots coming up. Lots of uh, specified deep dive prediction videos of uh, certain categories, uh, best picture, all the acting categories. Um, yeah, that's coming up. And I'll be doing a live stream of the Oscars on uh, on March 27th as well. So if you want to watch along with us and see my reactions <laughs> as they happen, it's always fun. But yeah, that's that's where you can find me, people. And uh, let's, let's talk Oscars. It's always fun. Yeah, no, do um, do give Luke a follow. It's, it's really oh. worth it. I, I love seeing his stuff on YouTube. And you can also... Thank you, fo- No, no worries. Uh, you can also... Thanks for having me. No, no, you're more than welcome. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, you can also <laughs> find us on social media. We're on Twitter, at Film Is Worth It. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. You can also email the show with your thoughts on this episode. Please do send us emails. We love getting your emails. The email address is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address, again, mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Um, Craig uh, also does an amazing job with the website so please do check it out and check out our extensive back catalogue of work Um, you can do that um, by going to the the website at www.isitworthitpodcast.com and just want to take this opportunity to thank Craig for all the work he does as a producer on this show Breathe in. We're coming into land, Luke. The plane is about to touch the tarmac. Um, The next episode of Road to the Oscars is going to be with another uh, fantastic guest. It's going to be with Amy Smith, and she will be joining me to discuss the director category, which is a fascinating category. It It looks locked up, but there's still plenty to discuss. So all that leaves me to say is I've been David Long, he's been Luke Hearfield, and this has been... Road to the Oscars. We will be back talking all things Oscars incredibly soon. Thanks, Luke. Thank you. <laughs>